Hi, everyone. It's Bud. We're taking a week off from the interviews here on Before the Cheering Started. We'll get back to them soon with compelling conversations with comedian Chris Gethard, Grammy Award-winning producer Russ Teitelman, Grammy Award-winning musician Bobby Sinabria, and chef and writer extraordinaire Gabrielle Hamilton. And there are plenty more in the works. This week, another of my own Before the Cheering Started stories. Actually, for a broadcast journalist, there isn't really cheering, nor should there be. If you get into the business to hear cheers or instant gratification, you're in the wrong business. But if we think of cheering as professional fulfillment, yes, I've been blessed to experience that a lot for some 40 years. This story is not so much before the cheering started. It's more like the one time the cheering happened. And it happened because people thought I was someone who I was not. Confused? Trust me, so was I. You had to be there, and I was. And it was still confusing. This week on Before the Cheering Started, my 15 minutes. Anonymity. Most of us have it without even thinking about it. Walking down the street, going into the grocery store, out for a run, no one is going to bother us. I enjoy anonymity. The idea of the paparazzi jumping out of the bushes to take my picture is as foreign to me as being named Captain of the New York Rangers or the official Fifth Beetle. Much to my chagrin, those last two are not going to happen, last time I checked. On a rare occasion, I lose anonymity thanks to years of being on television in New York City. The occasional hello on the subway or at the coffee shop, a kind word that's always appreciated. And then it's right back to anonymity, and that's fine. But there was that one time. I got to see how the other 0.000001% live. One shining moment that was exciting and downright terrifying. In 1986, I covered the New York Yankees for WNBC Radio's Sports Night with Dave Sims. The Yankees were good that year. The Mets were great. And they owned the city. They were the story. I watched from the Bronx as the team in Flushing was on its way to the postseason. But no regrets. I was working in the New York sports world. No complaints. But on Saturday, September 13th, 1986, I got a phone call in the morning at home from the producer of Sports Night with Dave Sims, Mike Breen. The Mets were about to clinch the division title and were playing the Phillies that night in Philadelphia. He told me that the Mets reporter was sick, so... Mike asked if I would be interested in going down to Philly to cover the Mets-Phillies game that night and file some reports. This was a big deal. Plus, I went to college in Philly and loved the train ride down. So this was an easy one. I told Mike, absolutely. I headed down to Penn Station, picked up the Times and the Post, got a coffee and a bagel, and settled in for a nice, peaceful ride to my old college stomping grounds. Forget about it. Every 16-year-old from Long Island was on the train with me. No disrespect, or so it seemed. Nice peaceful ride to Philly. They had other plans. Chants of, let's go Mets, rang through the cars, along with other less eloquent and, shall we say, more profane proclamations. It was a long, loud ride. But eventually, we arrived at the beautiful old 30th Street Station in Philadelphia, I took a cab down to Veterans Stadium in South Philly. 
The ride was going reasonably well. It was a nice day. I had sunglasses on. I was reading the papers when the driver asked, are you going to tonight's game? I responded that I was going to cover the game. I guess I wasn't very believable. The driver started to ask me, which one are you? Which one are you? As in, which Mets player are you? Seriously and repeatedly, which one are you? Clearly, details of my career in the Monroe, New York Little League had not reached Philadelphia. Which one are you? I tried reasoning with the driver. I'm covering the game for WNBC Radio, as if providing my credentials would sway him. It did not. And the questioning continued. So I thought, why not? I didn't want to go big, like, I'm Gary Carter, or I'm Keith Hernandez. This was before the Seinfeld episode in which that line became a classic. But if I was going to be a Met, I understandably wanted to be a good Met. And so the next time he asked, I relented. You're right. I'm Bob Ojeda. Bob Ojeda, a really good pitcher on a great Mets team, but a player who might not be quite as recognizable as Carter or Hernandez or Gooden or Strawberry. So now I'm sitting in the back of a cab in Philadelphia on my way to a Mets-Phillies game, and I'm a guy who would go on to win 18 games in 1986. Pretty good considering my start in the Monroe, New York Little League. To paraphrase a great line by the Woody Allen character in the movie Play It Again, Sam, he bought it. Remember, this is long before cell phones. I recall that the driver got on the two-way with his Louis De Palma guy, the dispatcher back at the cab company. Hey, I got Bob Ojeda of the Mets in the cab. Truth be told, I was pretty proud of myself, thinking, hey, I'm a really good pitcher. Thankfully, the ride came to an end shortly thereafter. He didn't have time to ask how the team was doing and how I throw my curveball. He kindly dropped me off at the vet and no doubt went on to tell the story of how he gave a ride that day to Mets pitcher Bob Ojeda. But the fun was only just beginning. I got out of the cab at the Veterans Stadium player and press entrance, and it was a mob scene. No security. Thousands of Met fans had made the trip in order to be there when the Mets clinched the division title. And they all swarmed around the player entrance to try to get a look and an autograph from their favorite Met. For example, Bob Ojeda. I got out of the cab and walked into Bedlam. Kids and their parents rushed me. I still had the sunglasses on so as to add to the mystique and the possibility that I might be on the team. Perhaps I was a September call-up from the minors, a player the fans would not know so well. I ditched the Bob Ojeda routine. These people knew who Bob Ojeda was. I was no Bob Ojeda. Again, I tried reason. I'm here to cover the game. Ever try reasoning with a crowd of loud, maniacal sports fans? It does not go well. One father leaned over to me and said something like, Look, pal, I don't care who you are. (laughs) Would you just sign my son's baseball, please? And so I did. I signed Bud Mishkin, WNBC Radio. I figured that I would go with the truth. I didn't want to be outed when I wasn't even in. Another Seinfeld reference. The kid looked at the ball, shrugged his shoulders, and seemed satisfied. At first, it was confusing, then terrifying. Then I got kind of comfortable with it. Sign that for you? Sure. Don't forget, kids, stay in school. 
And then the situation got downright surreal. A great reporter from WNBC-TV, Ben Farnsworth, approached with his camera crew and stuck a microphone in front of my face. As he started to ask me a question, I said to him, Ben, I'm down here to cover the game. I work for the same company as you, WNBC. The interview stopped shortly thereafter. As the years roll by, the story gets longer and longer. How long did it last? A minute? Five minutes? 30 seconds? Who knows? But one memory is vivid. Another cab pulled up and out walked Daryl Strawberry. The throng in front of me, my people, my fans, looked at me, looked at Daryl, looked at me, and were gone. Whoosh! They thought I might be a Mets player, but they knew. That's Daryl Strawberry. My 15 minutes of fame was over. I walked into the press entrance, once again a civilian, and calmly got my credential. I didn't know that many people on the Mets beat, so I couldn't share the story. But I went up to the press box, found a payphone, and called my parents, for the first time as a pitcher on my father's favorite team, the New York Mets. After the rush of my 15 minutes subsided, I started to think, what if this were every day at the ballpark, in the hotels, arriving at 2 in the morning after a night game and a flight, only to find people waiting in the lobby for a picture and an autograph? We hope that our sports heroes are menches, human beings, accommodating with the fans. And we bristle when we hear stories about athletes blowing off the fans, usually leading to the complaint, hey, we pay your salaries. But after spending a few minutes on the other side, I understood it a little bit better, not condoning bad behavior by the players, but occasionally understanding it. Anonymity. It's underrated. But yes, it was nice to be Bob Ojeda, even for 15 minutes. Before the Cheering Started is a production of June 14th Productions and Gemini 13 Productions. This episode was created and written by me. Guitar playing, that's me as well. No extra charge. I'm Bud Mishkin, and this is Before the Cheering Started. Thanks for joining us on the journey.